Why do bad things happen to good people? Has anybody ever wondered that before? Have you ever wondered why do bad things happen to good people? I, I believe that for some people, this is one of the things that's, kept, that's caused them to keep themselves distant from God because they don't understand this. It's the reason why some people don't come to church. I've met some people before that that was part of their story, that they, for a period of time, they were distant from God because they experienced incredible loss, whether it was of a parent or of a child, or, you know, they just see things going on in the world, and they're like, man, if God is so good, why does this stuff happen? So let me just say this, too, that this is one of those things. I'm going to give you some reasons why things happen, but I'll just be real transparent with you. I'm not going to give you all of the reasons. You say, why is that? Why? I just don't want to tell you. No, the reason why, <laughs> the reason why I'm not going to give you all these is because I don't know all the things. Some of this is a mystery to us, and we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. There are just some things we just don't know. But we'll look at some things. There are some reasons why some things happen, and, and my hope is that I help us as we go through this. So if you would, grab hold of your Bibles and say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I declare this morning, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I'll be taught the Word of God, and I'll never be the same again. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Romans 5. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament, and there's, the Old Testament starts with Genesis, the New Testament starts with Matthew, Romans is in the New Testament. Romans chapter 5. And so in Romans 5, when we look at that, we'll start with verse 12. Now, this was a letter that a guy named Paul, he was an apostle of Jesus, he wrote this to Christians, to the early church and it's to the church today. And in verse 12, he says this, when Adam sinned, now he's going to begin to make a comparison to Adam who uh, who he was and what he did, and to Jesus. Matter of fact, he refers to Adam, you know, as the first Adam, and to Jesus as the, as the last Adam or whatever. And so the truth of the matter is, is that in this, he's going to share some things, and we'll kind of explain it as we go. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. Everybody say everyone. everyone. For everyone sinned. Everyone sinned. Everyone, 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 everyone sinned. It's almost like Adam, you know, Adam for a period of time was sinless. It's wild to think about it, right? That for a period of time, Adam was sinless. And while he was sinless, he had been entrusted with the care of the world. God had made him and Eve, he didn't trust them. It was like they were stewards. He's like, I want you to take care of this. I want you to watch over it. I want you to tend to it. And, you know, I'm, I'm trusting you with it. Do what, I would, do what I would want you to do. Well, there came a period of time, we don't know how long that is, but there came a period of time where that didn't happen. Where he and Eve, and, but the Bible lays the charge at Adam's feet disobeyed God. And when they did that, when they disobeyed him, then as a result of that, it's like he was a door. And he opened up the way for sin to come in, not just to his life, but into the world and to all of humanity after him. 
It was like sin came and it had access to everything. And along with it, it brought all of the things that it brings. Death, selfishness, pride, all of these things. Unforgiveness, hate, bitterness, prejudice, all of these injustice, all of these things that sin brought into the world with it. Because of Adam's sin, he went from being sinless to having a sinful nature. And because we're all children of him in one sense, that we sin as well. And so the world at that point became broken. It goes on to say, Yet people sinned, it says, it brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Now, the reason why it mentions Moses, because that's when God gave the law. Do you remember he gave the Ten Commandments to Moses? That's when it's like, okay, this is what sin looks like. Even though they were still sinning, he was just saying, this is what it looks like. He said, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. So Adam was sinless until he sinned. He was, he was like a door that opened up sin to the, to the end of the world. And, and the minute that happened, all of these things began to take place. Some of them I've shared with you before, that we know that for the very first time, Adam went from being sinless to having a sinful nature. And so as a result of that, for the first time since he'd been created, God showed up and what did he do? He hid himself. What had he done before that? He begins to examine himself, begins to see that there's things that he wants to cover, things that he doesn't want to be vulnerable with or anything like that. So when he and Eve begin to cover themselves up, and all of these things start to take place. For the first time ever, he experienced shame. Sin brought shame into the world with it. Something even more devastating than that is when he heard God's voice, and God said, where are you? And Adam said, we heard your voice. I heard your voice, and I was afraid, so I hid myself. He'd never been afraid before. For the first time ever, sin brought fear, a fear of God, and not the healthy fear of God, like, it's you, but the fear of God, like, it's you. First time ever, it brought all of these things into the world, all the hate, all the anger, all the injustice, all the selfishness, all the pride, all the shame, all of those things that brought in. It's a result of God saying to Adam, to us, this is yours. I'm trusting you with it. And he wasn't a good steward of what God had given him. I'd love to throw rocks at him, but I haven't always been a good steward of what God's entrusted me with. I remember reading this one guy said that we as humans, we march for the right to exercise free will. We demonstrate for the right to do what we want to do. And we demand that until we experience the suffering and the pain that somebody else can 
you know, impact our lives with whenever they exercise their free will. And we don't blame them. We point our finger at God and say, how could you do this to me? When in reality, it's just the exercise of free will that takes place in a life that's not surrendered to Jesus. One of the reasons why bad things happen to all of us, if you're taking notes, is when sin entered the world, it brought death and all the pain that comes with it. Sometimes things happen just because this world is broken. And I don't care who you are, if you live long enough, you're, you're going to encounter it. You're going to experience something that's beyond explanation. There are things that happen that we don't fully understand. Tina and I had two miscarriages we were in ministry. We were, we were experiencing incredible sacrifice at the time. And we had two miscarriages. And you say, why did that happen? And I'll give you my honest answer. I don't know. I, don't, I, I, could, give you, I could give you a packaged answer. So we, we could leave with just kind of a handle on, on being in control and understanding everything. But the truth of the matter is, I've been around long enough now to know that I don't have an answer for everything. I think it's a mistake that we make sometimes when we're trying to comfort our friends and our loved ones that are grieving of loss. We try to give them an explanation. And sometimes, man, the explanation does more harm than good. Uh, does, uh, does more harm than good. It does more pain than what the truth is. And the truth is, sometimes I just don't know. I just know that God is good, but we live in a broken world that Jesus came to redeem anyone that would trust in him. There are just some things that we experience that we'll continue to experience until those of us that have put our trust in Jesus end up in heaven with him. It says that that's the place that there's no more tears. That's the place that there's no more death. But here, this is a place that because of Adam's sin that he became a door to allow all of the things that came with it. And the truth of the matter is, is that it took place not because the devil said, look, I want to control your life, but he enticed Adam with his own selfishness the same way that he entices me. But the devil never shows up and says, let me control your life. He shows up with trying to get me to indulge in the things that are not good for me. And it's my own self that I begin to try to please and to try to follow, and as a result of that, the brokenness of that comes into the world, into my world. Sometimes the world's just broken. Sometimes I don't know the things that take place. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this. It says the secret things, everybody say secret things, belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. There's some things that are just secrets to God alone. Just, just he knows. And we learn to trust him. Learn to trust him. So number one so again, is this, is that when sin entered the world, it brought death and all the pain that comes with it. Look at number two, if you would. Go with me to Psalms 107. Now, if you're still learning your way around the Bible, Psalms in the Old Testament, and it's like right in the middle of the Bible. It's right before Proverbs, right after Job. So I said before, it's kind of, 
spiritual or supernatural journaling. The Holy Spirit inspired people to write different things. Different people wrote Psalms, David, Moses, different people like that. And so Psalms 107, turn there please. In verse 17, it says this. Some were fools, they rebelled. Everybody say rebelled. And suffered for their sins. So some were fools, they rebelled and suffered for their sins. In other words, in other words they, they knew what they were supposed to do, but they didn't do it. They were disobedient and they suffered as a result of it. Goes on and say, they couldn't stand the thought of food and they were knocking on death's door. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. So, what he's saying right here is he said, man, sometimes our pain that we experience is self-inflicted. Now, if you're taking notes, it says self-inflected there. That is not the word that we wanted to use. It's self-inflicted. You say, who put that in there? Some guy named Rick Burke. And so, um, so it's a pet peeve of mine. And several of I, I put it in there. We proofread it and it ends up there. Anyway, so don't get lost by that as I would if I were in your seat. Anyway, so it's self-inflicted. In other words, that, you know, sometimes there are things that take place because of me, because of the decisions I make, because of the choices I make. On, on a kind of a, I say a small level, but I've been a, it's been small from the standpoint that I've been able to overcome it at some point. But like in my marriage sometimes, there's things that Tina will say. And sometimes my mind goes, you should say this. And another part of me, it's probably a God thought saying, it's probably not a good idea. Sometimes I don't listen to that God thought. Sometimes I go ahead and say it. And as funny as it sounded in my head, as, as one-upsmanship as it sounded in my head, that the grief and the pain that it brought afterwards was not worth the win. Has anybody ever done that? Have you ever like, yep, shouldn't have said that right there. Yeah, man, I've had those moments. In other words, that was a self-inflicted thing. I can't look at God and go, why did you make her so angry, Lord? He's like, I'm the one that's trying to tell you to shut up. You know, people say this. They say, man, there's a, there's a reason why everything happens. Yeah, sometimes the reason is we're just stupid. And so, you know, it's, or just dumb. We just do dumb things. Other times, man, it's my own selfishness that does it. Sometimes it's my pride that gets in the way. Often, man, there can be things in the world that we want to blame God for, and yet the reality of it is sometimes it has nothing to do with him. He's tried to spare me from that. He's tried to deliver me from that, but I've chosen to go my own way and because of my own disobedience, because of my own choices, I've experienced loss or grief or pain or condemnation. Now, the beauty of it is, is that we can still receive the forgiveness of God, and I'm grateful for that, aren't you? Aren't you grateful, man? I'm grateful for that. But sometimes pain comes in the world because of that. We have examples of it throughout Scripture. There was a guy named Samson. And he had a great call on his life, yet he had, he had a problem with how he dealt with the opposite sex. And we have to understand this. God cares how we interact with each other sexually. We have to understand that, that sex is something that's intended only for marriage, only for marriage. And so whenever we violate the laws of God, then it impacts us personally. It impacts our relationship with God. I'm not saying he doesn't love us. I'm not saying they're not saved, but the truth of the matter is, is he puts those boundaries in there for our benefit. But we step over those lines, there's a thing that it costs us when we do that. And Samson has this great call in his life, and yet not just with Delilah, but with two other women, he stepped over the boundaries that God had set up for him. And as a result of that, man, it cost him dearly. 
God didn't do that to him. So easy to blame God for the things that we do. Again, I'm not throwing rocks at anybody, man. I got my own stuff, my own things. We see Samuel, Jonah, he was another one. He was called to go to Nineveh, and he didn't want to. God wanted him to go preach to them because judgment was getting ready to come upon them because of all the things they'd done. And it wasn't God trying to condemn them. It was God trying to save them, to spare them from judgment. And Jonah said, I'm not going to Nineveh. And we're not really 100% sure, but we really think it was because that the people in Nineveh had been so mean to his people. They'd been so mean to his people and, and that he was like, I don't care if they're judged. I want them judged. In other words, his anger caused him to say no to the plan of God. So he gets swallowed up by this great fish. While he's in there, if you read Jonah 2, man, there's a prayer that he prays. And God hears his prayer and delivers him out of that. But that was an element of judgment and his disobedience that he inflicted upon himself. I've got the same thing in my life. I can name time after time where there's pain I've experienced or people I've disappointed because of my own selfishness, because of my own disobedience, because of the things that I've done. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said this. He said, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Sometimes our pain is self-inflicted. Sometimes it's what we do to ourselves. It's when I disobey God. You know, it's, I just have to have this understanding that God doesn't set boundaries in my world because he's a prude because he doesn't want me to have fun. It's because he wants what's best for me. He made me. He knows what's best for me. He knows what my best relationships look like. He knows when I'm doing the things, I'm following in his plan and, and in a place of just being close to him. And, and what gets in the way of that? And that any time that I say no to him, that I expose myself to the pain of disobedience, to the pain of selfishness, the pain of pride, the pain of anger. I've, I remember just one time getting bitter. It actually happened two times in my life in relationship and just the pain that it created for me. I felt so justified to do the things I was doing. I felt so justified to say what I was saying. I felt so justified to behave how I wanted to behave. I knew that in most situations, in most normal situations, that this would not be okay. But clearly what I'd been, had been done to me, this person merited this. And the pain that it created in my life, when God began to expose it to me, broke my heart. There's just something that's about sin that's it's a thief. It, it shows up as a friend, but behaves as an enemy. 
it's, it steals from us. And it's easy again to blame God. God, why would you let this happen? God, why would you do this to me? And all the time he's like, I, I dealt with you. I gave you God thoughts. I showed you in my word. I tried to reveal it to you. And every step along the way, your resolve, it just softened a little bit each time. A little bit until eventually you just went all in. And surrendered yourself to it. And then when it came knocking on your door with what it brings, you want to lay it at my feet. And the reality of it is we know what it does to us. I, I know what it does to me. I've experienced the pain of my own selfish choices in my life. I can't speak for anybody else. I can speak for me. And so sometimes bad things happen to people because of our own decisions, our own choices. Sometimes they happen just because we're in a broken world. That we just experienced pain just because sin was given access to the world a long time ago through Adam. Sometimes because my decisions give it access. Let's look at this third thing. Go with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 5. It's in the New Testament. And so, like, if you were in Romans a minute ago, after Romans is 1 and 2 Corinthians, then Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, then 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it says this, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who would rescue him from death. So Jesus shows up as God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. We're entering into that holiday season. Next Sunday night, next Sunday night we have our Advent service, which means coming. And so he showed up with that. He shows up, but he had to live like we do. And so he had to experience temptation. He had to experience surrender. And so there were times that, just like my flesh, his flesh was it resisted, it recoiled at those things. And yet he said, not what I want, but what you want. Well, it says that what he did then was, was that while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned. Everybody say, he learned. He learned obedience from the things he suffered. He learned to obey from experiencing suffering. That's something we don't talk about in the church much. That suffering is one of those things that we learn things from. He learned obedience from the things that he suffered. It goes on to say that in this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obeyed him. Now, there are people that have given their lives for the gospel, that they go to other parts of the world and give their lives. And maybe you're not called to be a missionary, but all of us, as we endeavor to walk with God, there are times that doing what God wants us to do has an element of suffering with it. Sometimes we're misunderstood. Sometimes people are convicted. Sometimes people in their own brokenness or hurt or anger say things about you and distance themselves from you. Sometimes they say things that aren't true, or sometimes they try to bring up your past and the mistakes or decisions or the sins you've committed. 
just like they do with me. So sometimes we experience those things. Sometimes God asks us to do things that we don't know where it's going to take us and where it ends up. I, I've shared with you that when Tina and I first got in ministry, that we took a 40% cut in pay to go into student ministry. And I've shared with you that, you know, for the longest time, man, we, we had David, he was, he, was our, our, he was just a baby at the time, and we had to hawk stuff in order to keep our lights on. That, you know, that, I mean, just it was one of those things. We, everything that we had of value was hawked, except for our wedding rings. And we'd just gotten a note on the door saying that if we'd get our money and that our electricity was going to be turned off. I mean, you know, it was, uh, you know we, had, we had a baby. I got my wife. I felt like such a failure as a man. Here I am in the wedding. Here I am in the pawn shop once again. They know me by name now. They know who I am. They know where I work, what I do. I was embarrassed. And so I, I took my wedding ring off and I said, how much for this? And it wasn't enough. And my wife took her wedding ring off. Is it now? I didn't realize it at the time, but there was a day that we asked ourselves, like, is it, is it worth it? Is this worth it? And I realized that it was God doing a work in us, that there were some things that he did in us that, that he had to shape in us that couldn't have been shaped otherwise. And in fairness, some of it was our own decisions. We were learning how to be more wise with finances. Sure, there were decisions we could make and things we could have done better, but there were elements of it that I'm convinced to this day that God was preparing us for. Then we get on the other side of it, and the church rep builds this huge youth facility. We're reaching 400 kids a week during school. And I mean, I'm hoping we impact the community, man. I got more persecution from other churches at that time than I'd ever experienced in my life. And man, I'll tell you, at that time, I was so sensitive to it that just, it was one of those things, it was just, it, it, was, it made me want to like, man, who needs this? And I didn't realize at the time that God was shaping me and preparing me because there were levels that he wanted to take us to that if I was too sensitive to criticism, he could never take me because we realized this, the higher the level, the bigger the devils. And so we have to endeavor to be willing to go through hard places in order for God to shape us and prepare us and take us to the place that he has for us. And so sometimes we have to say no and be misunderstood. Sometimes we have to go in a direction that people don't understand and do what people will criticize us for. Sometimes we have to withdraw and pull ourselves back from certain things and experience it. Sometimes we have to go at a risk to our own self, to our own life. Missionaries used to, when they would go to a foreign land, they wouldn't pack their stuff in suitcases. They would pack it in a coffin. And they would take it because they knew one way or another they were going to give their life to the place that they went. There was one missionary in particular when he did this. He was going to a tribe of people that had already killed the first few missionaries, went over there. And so he thought, I guess I'll be next. But something about the conversation, something that had taken place in his first encounter with him, they decided not to do that. And in time, they began to listen to him. And before it was all said and done, their lives were converted. They gave their lives to Jesus. They were saved. When he did finally die, they posted this on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. And when he left, there was no darkness. There's something about just the suffering that takes place to shape us. I remember 
a while back, maybe a year or two ago, a minister lost his wife. She had had cancer, and he was praying like we all would, that, that she would be healed, that she would be okay. But she died. And a week later, I, I was listening to him preach, and he was talking about you know, what his prayer was and what he wanted to see happen. And the reality of it is, is that, yes, she's with Jesus now. And it's better. Paul even said, he said, man, I'm torn between two things. To depart and be with Christ is far better, better for him, better for him. But to stay is more needful for you. And so he was talking about that, just being very honest, but he said something that just really resonated with me. He said, the one thing I do understand now, the one thing that we can experience here, that when we get to heaven, we'll never be able to experience. And he said, here, I'll get the, the ability to make a decision to worship God, even in my pain. I won't get to do that in heaven. There's no more tears, no more loss, no more crying. But here, even in my pain, I get to experience what it's like that when I'm hurt and I'm disappointed and my world feels shattered or lost or broken, that in those places that I can still step out and worship God and experience his presence when I don't fully understand everything that's going on. The secret things belong to the Lord. There are some things we just won't know while we're here. Some people have questions that reflect the amount of pain that they've been through. And there's not anything that I could say to minimize how much pain you've experienced with your loss. Never lost a spouse. I don't know the pain of that. We've had two miscarriages, but I've got to imagine that the pain of that is even different than losing a child that's been born and that you've had years with. I haven't experienced I don't want to experience that. But I know this much that I don't have an answer as to why that happened. I just know this, that God hasn't abandoned you. He's not indifferent to it. Matter of fact, Psalm says this, that he's close to the brokenhearted. And so this, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, sometimes it happens just because we're in a broken world. That until Jesus comes back, that there'll be this, this battle against sin that we experience personally, even though Jesus defeated it. That until Jesus comes back, we still have our flesh to deal with. And sometimes in my selfishness, in my immaturity, in my insecurity, I make wrong decisions. Sometimes there's a shaping that God is doing in me that because of who I am and because of what I've experienced, that I just won't grow without that. And the truth of the matter is sometimes I don't know. I don't know. I just know that he's good and I can trust him. I'd love to be able to give you an answer for all of it. So whenever you have those questions or, or maybe people that come across, well, you know, why do these things happen? You give them an answer for all of it, but the truth of the matter is even the Bible says to us that weep with those who weep. But there's not always an answer we can give, but we can always weep with them. Why do these things happen? Well, I gave you the reasons, but also know this, that there's some things that we won't find out until we're with them. 
or just some secrets that for whatever God has not chosen to reveal to us. And I trust him in that. I want you to do this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. I'm going to pray over you, and then I'm going to give you a minute to pray. Father, I'm just grateful to you. Father, I I want to honor you today with what I said. I hope I represented you correctly and represented you well. Lord, in in our struggles, in some of these things, for us personally and what we know, there can just be this element of uncertainty. but I'm not uncertain about you or who you are. And I pray over every life that has unanswered questions, that has maybe grief of their own or just they see a world that's in pain and it hurts their heart. Speak to them today. Let them feel your presence around them, Jesus, for anybody that's experienced loss during this time of year, just surround them with who you are. Let them know that you see them. And just like the psalm says, that you're close to the brokenhearted, that you haven't abandoned them. You're not indifferent to them. In this moment, in this season, right now, with all their questions, you're with them. Lord, if the Christmas season reveals anything to us, it reveals this to us. You see us and we can trust you. So I put all these unanswered questions into your presence. Let the one thing that we're certain about be that your love for us. So we just put all this in your hands and we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. I'm gonna be quiet for just a minute. Just let you spend a moment with God.